Let's pray together, church. Our Father, we are coming before you this morning asking for you to move, to interpret the scripture for us, to help us to understand what is right and true. God, revive us, convert us, transform us by the power of your spirit. We, we surrender to you, Lord. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, it was a morning like a normal morning for Todd. Uh, this time he was boarding a plane, just like he had done many times, heading across the country to take care of his business. But it was not a morning like any other morning. Uh, this morning, he'd learned through telephone calls with others while on board that that planes were doing things that planes shouldn't be doing. And September 11th, 2001, his plane had different plans than when he got on that plane. We were in New York last Sunday, and uh, last Saturday we went to the 9-11 memorial, which is underground under the original Twin Towers in New York City. And we saw the story of Todd Beamer and Flight 93, and they walked you through that flight and what happened. The story of Todd calling and talking to his wife and his wife telling him what was happening with planes and, and realizing that his plane had been taken over by extremists. They had to make a decision what to do. And for Todd's plane, they knew that one plane had crashed into Twin Tower, another plane had crashed into Tim Twin Tower, and they knew their plane was headed somewhere else. Most believe that was for the White House. So Todd Beamer and those on board that morning uh, said, let's roll. And they stormed the cockpit and ultimately Instead of crashing that plane into a national monument or a place to injure and cause harm to many others, the terrorists that day ended up turning the plane and bringing it down in a field in Pennsylvania. You've probably all heard that story. If you haven't, welcome to the tragedy of 9-11-2001. But at some point, those on board had to make a decision. They had to take a stand and say, what are we going to do? Had they sat in their seats like the other four flights that had taken place that morning? They would have ended up on the news and uh, in a much worse way. But they decided to do something about it. They took a stand and to their own peril gave their lives for a cause that they believed in. I'll say that again. And to their own peril, they gave their lives for a cause that they believed in. And that cause was saving the lives of another. This morning, we finish our story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Hebrew young men who, like those on Flight 93, 
had to take a stand to believe for a cause that they believed in. And this was not to save the lives of others, but rather to defend the honor and the namesake of one whom they treasured more than their own lives. If you have your Bible, I want to invite you to open up to to Daniel. It's in the Old Testament, about halfway through the Old Testament. Daniel chapter 3 is where we'll be. Flip to, turn on, get your Bible open. Uh, Love for you to have your own Bible in front of you. We will have scripture on the screen behind me as well. We've looked at uh, the the cause of this problem, and so I'll review for just a moment. Uh, Daniel is a book that is... Uh, That is uh, about a man transcending through different leaderships and different regimes. And we could call them even different kingdoms. Daniel is withstanding through different kingdoms. But he's showing throughout his book that there is a kingdom to come that will surpass them all. Kingdoms rise and kingdoms fall. But there is one king that rules over them all. It's kind of our theme for Daniel. And that king is prophesied here in the book of Daniel. We looked at it in chapter 2. That there would be a stone come and crush that all other kingdom that existed. And that king is named Jesus. And his kingdom is still here today. And it is here in this room today. God ruling and reigning where, church? In the hearts of his people. And he's doing that today in this room. God is ruling and reigning in the hearts of you, his people. Well, here's an instance in which the kingdom of God stands diametrically opposed to the kingdom of man. And here three young men are going to have a choice to make. Will they stand for the kingdom that they believe in? So let me begin in chapter uh, 3, verse 1, for context. And we'll pick it up uh, in verse 8 where we left off last time. But for context, I'm going to read some of the first section. King Nebuchadnezzar made an image of gold whose height was 60 cubits and breadth 6 cubits. We said they're roughly as tall as the Bethany crosses there in Baton Rouge. He set it up on the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. Verse 4. Verse 4. And the herald proclaimed aloud, You are commanded, O peoples, nations, and languages, that when you hear the sound of the horn, pipe, Lyre, trigon, harp, bagpipe, and every other music, you're to fall down and worship the golden image that King Nebuchadnezzar has set up. And whoever does not fall down and worship shall immediately, what church? Be cast into the fiery furnace. Verse 7. Therefore, as soon as all the peoples heard the sound of the horn, pipe, lyre, trigon, harp, bagpipe, and every kind of music, all the peoples, nations, and languages... What that say? All the people, nations, and languages fell down and worshipped the king, the golden image that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. There is a threat of violence against a command to do something, and that command was against God's command. Now, we're in the book of Daniel, right? And we know in the book of Exodus, like we said last week, have no other gods before you. That God is God above all gods and you do not bow down and you do not worship any other God. So today we'll pick it up at verse 8. Therefore, at the time certain Chaldeans or Babylonians came forward and maliciously accused the Jews. They didn't like the Jews. Remember, Babylon had come in. They had captured 
the, the Jewish nation, they had taken them from their homeland and brought them into their own country, into Babylon, and said, we are reprogramming you. We are changing you to be one of us. However, several Jews, for instance, Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, these four young men were not conforming to the reprogramming. And so threats were brought upon them for great harm. Verse 9, these certain Chaldeans came before the king Nebuchadnezzar and said, O king, live forever. You, O king, have made a decree that every man who hears the sound of the horn, pipe, lyre, trigon, harp, bagpipe, and every kind of music shall fall down and worship the golden image. And whoever does not fall down and worship shall be cast into the fiery furnace. There are certain Jews whom you've appointed over the affairs of the provinces of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These men, O king, they pay no attention to you. They serve, they do not serve your gods nor worship the golden image that you have set up. First of all, kudos to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Why? Because somebody noticed that they cared about what they did. That they had principles that ran deeper than what people thought. Now, this is something that I try to instill in my family and my children and my sons and my daughters. That there are times when no one is watching that you are going to face a decision to do the right thing. And nobody's going to know. What will you do? This is what I try to instill into our young people and even to all of our churches. There are times in which compromise is being called out. There is an easier road to follow. What will you do? And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego had a choice, not just when no one was watching, but when others were watching. And there would be a price to pay. Now, the fiery furnace was not, not something that anyone in this day would want to be a part of. They knew that that was a place of torture, a place of imminent death. And these men who were not just hiding in the shadows, but who were leaders, had a choice to make. Now, let me take a step back for just a moment and, and call something else to your attention. Why do you think that people in ancient Babylon cared what Rakshak and Benny, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were doing? Why do you think that they cared if they bowed down or not? What was it that made these malicious men come and go to the king and say, Hey, king, there are three guys. They're not doing what you said. What rooted them to want to take the lives away from three men who had been brought out from their culture into a new land? Can you imagine? They're taking away the life, the breath, and the family from three human beings. What could motivate somebody to do something like that. 
In our Sunday school class, we studied Stephen and the death of Stephen. What rage and anger could motivate someone to take the life of another human being? Brothers and sisters, I want to be very clear this morning to remind you that it's not just in ancient Babylon that this happens. I read a story last week, two weeks ago actually. And I'm going to read some of it to you today because I think it's quite applicable for us. Islamic jihadist groups in Nigeria are responsible for killing at least 4,000 Christians and abducting more than 2,300 other Christians in just the first 10 months of 2022. So let me put that in perspective. 4,000 Christians have died January through October of this year. This year. Take this church and fill it up. And every week, all of you are gone. 6,300 people have been either killed or taken in Nigeria alone because of their Christian faith. Now, I say this not to pull emotional heartstrings. That's not my intent this morning. My intent is to say that that's 6,300 people. Fill this room, all of you that gather each week, and you all die every week. And that's still not quite as many. Because people have made a decision that my Christian faith matters. And I will not back down from what, from who I am. God has saved my soul. Let me continue reading. The Fulani herdsmen and Islamic terror groups allied with it are responsible for 2,650 of the 4,000. 20 Christian deaths between January and October, at least 4,020 deaths. Other terror groups, including the Islamic State in West Africa, Boko Haram, and Saru, accounted for 450 Christian deaths, and the Fulani bandits and their splinter groups were responsible for 370 more Christian deaths. Fulani herdsmen and Fulani bandits and other armed jihadist groups that are Nigerian government friendly abducted more than 2,315 Christians out of which 1,401 were abducted in the first half of the year and 915 915 were abducted between July and October. Do you think that people in Nigeria are concerned that it costs them something to be a Christian? I do. But it's not just Nigeria. It's not just Babylon. It is all throughout history. And what causes someone to want to take the life of someone else? What is the root of this? 
How can these things be? Christians from first century moving forward have faced death, have faced persecution, have faced faced pain, and have faced a cost that, that you and I and Plaquemine in 2022, frankly, we just we, we can't comprehend it. But we need to be aware. Because these are our brothers and sisters. These are who we would gather with if we were there. What would cause such a thing to happen? And my answer is this for you. There is a spirit of the age. There is a spiritual power that is persistent and that is violent. In this world. It is deceptive. It is scheming. But it is very much alive and well. And against God. And his kingdom. That is you and me. And if we are ignorant. To the fact that there is something going on around us. And around this world. Then we are going to miss out. On what God has called for us to do. As Christians. It is the same spirit of the age. That killed Jesus. Look in Luke chapter 22 verse 3. The spirit of the age is not a new spirit. It is one that has been around. Since the beginning. One who has made things very evident. Throughout the the persecution and the killing of God's people throughout the Old Testament. And then made himself very known. In the crucifixion of our Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible says, then Satan entered into Judas called Iscariot, who was of the number of the twelve. And we know that Satan betrayed Jesus Christ, the Lord, and led him to the spirit of the age controlled council. That brought our Lord Jesus before a mockery of a trial and crucified him on that cross. But that spirit of the age did not stop there. The spirit of the age continues, and Peter, one of Jesus' disciples, warned his followers later. He said, be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. The devil is not someone who sits in the shadows and does nothing. He is not passive. The powers of evil are active. They're very active now in Nigeria. They're very active even here today. As 2 Corinthians 4 shows us another way in which he's active. Not merely in the persecution of Christians, those who do believe. But in the preservation of those who don't believe. Because this is the way the spirit of the age works. If you do believe, I want to harm you. If you don't believe, I want to lie to you and blind you. Look at what 2 Corinthians 4 says. In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. We live in a world where we don't see the spiritual powers or the spiritual things that are happening, but we live in a world where they very much are. And I would argue that one day this world will pass away and those spiritual powers will not. And when this world is renewed, the powers of evil will all be vanquished and cast into the pit of hell. 
But until that day, they are very much against the kingdom of God, which you all admitted was you and me in this room. Are y'all with me this morning? Are y'all with me? Ephesians chapter 6 verse 12 says this, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. There is an active spiritual battle. And it may manifest itself through addiction. It may manifest itself through sexual perversion, pornography, and unfaithfulness. It may manifest itself in intellectualism or materialism, but it is real. And it is out to get and tempt and lure you, Christian. If you are in Christ, the powers of evil are against you. And the powers of evil are against the kingdom of God. So again, I remind you, it is not, this is not necessarily about you this morning. This is about the church of the living God, whether here or in Nigeria or in Sudan or in Haiti. The kingdom of God, these are our brothers and sisters. And let's see how our brothers, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, faced what they faced. Back to Daniel, chapter 3, verse 13. <clears throat> then, then Nebuchadnezzar, in a furious rage, because he found out that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego would not bow down, he commanded that they be brought. So they brought these men before the king. Nebuchadnezzar answered and said to them, Is it true, O Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you know that you do not serve my gods or worship the golden image that I have set up. Now he's giving them a place, a chance to make that decision public. They know that it will cost them a trip to the fiery furnace. What will they do? Verse 15. Now if you are ready... When you hear the sound of the horn, pipe, lyre, trigon, harp, bagpipe, and every kind of music, to fall down and worship the image that I have made, well and good. I'll forgive you. All you have to do is comply. But if you do not worship, then you shall immediately be cast into burning, a burning, fiery furnace. Here is the choice. That they will have to make. Do you stand by your convictions? Will you take a stand for something that you believe in? Or will you comply with the threats that are being hurled against you? Nebuchadnezzar closes out his conversation with Rakshak and Benny. And he says this, and who is the God who will deliver you out of my hands? And who is the God who will deliver you out of my hands? When I read those words as I was studying, 
I immediately thought back to another story that we recently talked about. Who is God that I should let you go and worship? You remember that guy? What was his name? Pharaoh. Who is God that I should let you go and worship? Who is the God who will deliver you out of my hands? You know, for Pharaoh, it didn't turn out so well, did it? His whole nation was rent. Nebuchadnezzar. Let's see what happens. Uh, as we think about that, let me, let me call your attention to the book of Titus, verse 3. Let me take a step back from our story. Okay? We have set up this, this narrative of Rack, Shack, and Benny placed in a, 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 a circumstance where they've got to make a decision. Do I truly believe and will I live out what I believe or will I face the consequences? And that's their choice. And you know, I want you to think about how many of these circumstances have happened that aren't written in the Holy Scriptures. Like how many people in Nigeria have that story? This year. Where they've said, okay, no, 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 I'm not Christian. No, no, that's not me. I love Allah. And theirs aren't even written for us. Titus chapter 3 says this. Remind them to be submissive. This is Paul writing to Titus. Hey, Titus, this is what you need to teach your people and your church. Remind them to be submissive to rulers and authorities, to be obedient. Let me underscore this next section for you. Are you ready? Remind them to be ready for every good work. To speak evil of no one, to avoid quarreling, to be gentle, to show perfect courtesy toward people. To be ready for every good work. Look, when uh, I like to play basketball. And we play in our driveway during basketball season a good bit. And, and I have an abbreviation that I tell my, my children when I play with them. Um, one is don't hurt my pinky. Uh, the other one is always be ready. Right, Nate? A-B-R. We say it because I like to pass the ball rather than shoot the ball. That's, I've always loved to be a passer. So I tell them, always be ready. When you don't know, when you're not looking at me, and I'm not looking at you. I may send the ball your way. Right, G-Man? Always be ready. And when you're on that basketball court, you've got to be ready to catch the ball and shoot it. Because I'm going to give the ball to somebody else. Problem. Always be ready. And this is the instance, I think, that Titus is teaching to his church. And, and the instance in which Rakshak and Benny were ready. They had to make a decision and they had to know, this is what I'm going to do. So Christian, I want to give that to you right now today, is to think about that. If you had to put yourself in that, in, in that situation, what would you do? If it were going to cost you your life not to bow down to something else, what would you do? Let me make it maybe a little bit more 
realistic for us. Let's say it didn't cost you your life. Let's say there were no fiery furnace before you. Let's say it were something a little less. Are you ready to stand on the principles that the scripture teaches? What if you're at school and someone's asking you, hey, let me see your answers. What if you're at work and someone's asking you to to take advantage of somebody else? What if you're at home and you know that you can get away with something that your parents will never see or your spouse will never see? Are you ready to face those situations? The greater story of Daniel is this. The Lord used three young Hebrew Three young Hebrew men to proclaim that Jesus saves his people. Jesus saves his people. If you know the rest of the story, you know that God is going to send what looks like the Son of God to save his Hebrew children. The question we talked about last two weeks ago, two weeks ago, and this week is do you stand on your principles? Or are you pragmatic? And those were our two P words. Do you stand on your principles or are you pragmatic? Will you stand for what you believe in, for what Jesus Christ has told you to do? Or will you fall in with what really just makes things happen and go and flow, not to rock the boat or cause any trouble? You know, one of the things I love about our church is we have church members who who. Constantly, week after week, year after year, do what they feel like they are supposed to be doing to honor God. And I don't have to beg them. I don't have to ask them. There are people in this church who just do what God has called them to do without any celebration, without anybody encouraging them or asking them. They show up and do that work. Look around, church. Just, just look around. Anything look different this week? We've got decorations. We've got lights. Did you ask somebody to do that? Wayne, did you ask anybody to do that? I didn't. One of a thousand examples. Last week, we had a meal together. People came up here and did what they felt would honor God. Because they had an internal conviction. I'm going to do what I know the right thing is to do. And I'm going to honor God by taking the trash out. I'm going to honor God by bringing food for my brothers and sisters. I'm going to honor God by keeping the nursery in church this morning. So a mom can worship without somebody crawling all over her. I'm going to do what I believe honors God. And what I can use my body and my mind and my mouth and my limbs to do. I didn't ask Tristan to go up there and pull scripture for y'all. Tristan went up there of his own accord. 
and said, I want to be a part of this. This is something I can do to honor God. I can give you examples all day. That's what God is doing here. God is going to demonstrate who he is through Rakshak and Benny. And so verse 16. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, watch this. We have no need to answer you in this manner. You said, who is God? You want to know who our God is? Are we going to bow down and worship? We don't need to answer you. If, if it is as you say it is, if this be so, verse 17, if you're going to kill us, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace. If he wants to, God can do that. And if he will not deliver us out of your hand, O king, I'm sorry, let me read that again. And he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. But if not, be it known to you, O king, we are not going to serve your gods nor worship the golden image that you've set up. If God delivers us, he's able. He can do what he wants. If he doesn't, then so be it. We'll burn in the fire. What causes a man to do that? What causes a man to say, if God wants to deliver us, he surely can. But if he doesn't, I'll burn in the fire. But I'm not going to compromise and worship another God because my God has called me to be faithful and to do what I'm supposed to do. What causes a man to make that decision? Have you ever had to make a decision like that? Have you? Has there been a place in your life where you said, God has told me to do this. And if it causes me pain, if it causes great hurt to me, I'm going to be obedient to my God. Has that happened? Let, let me give you one instance in which I think it, it may be. Y'all with me this morning? Y'all still here? I read this passage earlier. It's Matthew 16. Tristan, I'm jumping ahead a little bit. It's Matthew 16. Let me give you one instance where I believe God has called you to do something that will cause you consequences, but you have to decide, am I going to be obedient to God or not? And let me read to you the words of Jesus, our Lord. He said this, then Jesus told his disciples, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. Now, think of the audience in which Jesus is speaking to a group that is saturated in Jewish culture in which Confessing that Jesus is God and that you are going to follow him and be obedient to him was blasphemy. And you know what the penalty for blasphemy was? You can ask Stephen because we studied him this morning. He took the stones to his body 
Because he believed that Jesus was God. If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. How do I know that this is a life and death situation? Because look what Jesus says right after. He says this, for whoever would save his life will lose it. In other words, if you want to to stay out of the furnace, you're going to lose something. If you want to go in the furnace, you're going to gain something. For whoever would save his life would lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake, he will find it. In other words, Jesus is offering to his followers, you can follow me and have my life in my kingdom, or you can and, and go to the furnace, if you will, or you can stay out of the furnace and have whatever your heart can acquire in this world. But for all eternity, there will be hell to pay. And that is the offer that still stands today. That is the message that we as Christians preach today and teach today is deny yourself, repent and believe the gospel that Jesus Christ is Lord and face the fiery furnace of this world today. As it were. Or deny Jesus, acquire whatever you can in this world today and face the fiery furnace of eternity. And so I offer you, if you're here today and you've never repented of your sin, confessed that Jesus Christ is Lord, surrendered to him and said, Jesus, I want to be in your kingdom. Grant me access into the kingdom of God. If you've never repented and believed the gospel, I urge you. The fiery furnace that Nebuchadnezzar had is nothing compared to God's fiery furnace. And the fiery furnace that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego would have faced for five minutes, ten minutes, is nothing like the eternal fire that Jesus has prepared for those who reject him. Now let me close this morning with one other thought, if I may. What Rakshak and Benny did, I want to encourage you, is the essence of what faith is. I want you to think about this for a moment. What is the essence of faith? We talk about faith, believing in something, right? Todd Beamer had to believe that what he needed to do was to save other lives by attacking the cockpit of that plane that day. He believed that. He believed that sitting there doing nothing was morally wrong. And so he decided to do something about it. Y'all with me? Right? Look at what answer that Rakshak and Benny give to the most intimidating man in their whole world. They stand up and look this man in the face and they say, If God chooses to deliver us, then so be it. If he doesn't, then so be it. You know, the Proverbs, this is a psalm. The psalmist says, some trust in chariots, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. The essence of faith is being willing for, for three young men to walk up to the king of the land and say, you know what? 
I trust God. If he deliver us, then so be it. If he won't, then so be it. I trust God. Let me look at it a different way. Explain this in a different way. Sometimes we think, oh, great faith is having enough belief that God will do something. Oh, I believe God will heal this person or save this person. But let me offer you another thought. I believe even greater faith is whatever God you choose to do, I'm willing to receive that. And Lord, I pray, save my family member, save my friend, save my loved one. I'm asking you, Lord, to do that. But Lord, as Jesus prayed in the garden, not my will, may your will be done. And I'll offer to you that there is no greater faith than what Jesus Christ offered in the garden to his father. Lord, I don't want this. I don't want to die. And I don't want to endure the cross and be separated from you. But not my will. May yours be done. And that is the prayer and that is the statement that Rakshak and Benny gave to Nebuchadnezzar. Whatever God chooses to do, then so be it. I trust God. And so, friend, I want to offer you that this morning. Do you trust God? Do you truly believe God? Do you believe him enough to say whatever my life gives to me or whatever it may be, I'm going to trust you? That is the essence of faith. And that is the essence, the beginning of salvation. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your salvation. Give faith, O God. Give to us the gift of faith that we might trust you. Lord, convert souls this morning, we ask. Let us live faithful lives. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.